Hello, welcome to the ACH podcast. I'm Sheepdog and this week we'll be talking to Natalie about her career. Uh, say hello, Natalie. Hi, Richard. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming. I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, how are you doing? You good? I am, yes. I'm very excited. This is my first podcast. Oh, excellent. Well, I, uh, I've been doing them for a while, so hopefully you're in good hands. We'll see how we get on. I, th- I feel like I've already shown myself up a few times before the show tonight. So we met on a local uh, autism group where we live. Uh, I was looking for people to come on the show, and you've mentioned to me that you're a, a chartered tax advisor. Is that right? That's right, yes. Excellent. How did you get into that? Is that something that you were looking to do at a very young age, or if you kind of... Well, Richard, I don't think anyone gets into tax um, other than by accident. I think everyone I've spoken to throughout my career, I don't think anyone dreamed of being a tax advisor. It's just something you fall into. Um, So I actually, when I was at school, I wanted to be a lawyer, but then realised that actually... Um, I probably that was going to be a challenging career to get into and just coincidentally I'll show my age um, the the government introduced something called self-assessment and everyone was interested in what this meant and everyone was going to have to start filling in these tax returns and Barclays in Peterborough set up a whole hub um, and wanted people to come in and learn to be tax advisors so I was only 20 and uh, thought, well, I'll give it a go. And basically, I'm still doing it 25 years later. Nice. That's not too shabby, though. I feel like it's one of those things you see an opportunity. I'm a bit like you in that the job I ended up in is not something I ever dreamed of doing. I just ended up taking an opportunity. And I feel like that's it's quite I think that's quite a common theme for a lot of people, isn't it? And yeah. Um, if you find you're good at it and you find you're comfortable with it, then uh, you don't need to move around and everything. I, I also had the the same ambition as a, a younger person about going into law, but getting a, a U in my law exam by drawing a big picture didn't really uh, <laughs> help my chances. So <laughs> didn't go very well. Um, so you, you started at the bank in, in Peterborough. It was the, um, they were looking at your back. I suddenly realised that wasn't particularly relevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you started at Barclays in Peterborough. Um, and so did, were you there for long? Is that somewhere, somewhere that you kind of sort of took a bit of a uh, learn the ropes and then and then moved on? Or, or how did that work? Yeah, so uh, basically it, it was just my first opportunity to, to consider having a career. Um and I worked there about two or three years. And actually, it made me realise that rather than just being something to fill the time where I decided, did I want to have a gap year and do try and go into university or what do I want to do with my life? Because who knows at 20, right? Um, I actually thought, you know what, I, I quite enjoy tax. It's quite interesting and it changes every year. And it's it's quite fascinating um so i thought i want to make a real career out of this and then i ended up working with another local firm safra champness a, a, a large accounting firm and um i did all my tax exams through them and then that sort of led me on throughout my career um so i ended up moving from being so originally i started off in what they call a client facing role which means that you're on a clock you bill for your time you've got a whole portfolio of different clients Um, but I realized that actually I found some of that um, a bit challenging because there was 
a lot of chopping and changing. So you might be working on one thing and get a phone call. Um, you might have some meetings and things like that. Um, I might be sort of jumping ahead here, but I didn't know I was autistic um, when I started my career. I didn't actually find out until about two years ago. Um, ah, interesting. That was, yeah, that was something I was going to sort of touch on whether you were aware at the time. So you're saying sort of early days, it, it shaped where you yes. went because you you kind of felt like, okay, I can't really be meeting all these people and chopping and changing so much. It's wearing you down a bit. You know, similar experiences. Again, I, I very much felt burnt out from doing that all the time and trying to act. And I didn't realize that no one else acts, yes. that we're kind of having to act a certain way and that kind of thing. So um the thing that obviously uh, I was going to ask, go on to is whether you feel like it impacted things early on. So it did, I guess, then straight off the bat, unknowingly. Um, and how did you kind of deal with that from there? Yeah, I guess it, that's what sort of led me through my career. So um, so working at Safaris gave me a brilliant opportunity um, to hone my skills, get a qualification and become a chartered tax advisor. They are also really generous in that they gave me the opportunity to um work in our London in their London office so that gave me exposure to some different things and move out my first time out of Peterborough uh, in the big city um, and it also gave me the opportunity because tax is such a huge wide field there's so many elements to it to actually find what I really enjoyed doing and I found my little niche which was professional practice tax um, I deal with partnerships LLPs and that led me into my first what we call in-house role, which meant that I work for one client, which is my employer, and that was a magic circle law firm in Canary Wharf. So I went from a little um, Peterborough back, back town girl uh, to a big city and a big, big firm um global global law firm being uh, so working in-house for them and again sort of developing my skills and experience um as i went along and that sounds great so yeah for the for the listeners benefit the magic circle that's like there's different tiers correct. isn't there magic circle is the top and then there's silver circle yes. i don't know if it's a gold circle but <laughs> like magic is top yes. and so you don't really yeah you can't <laughs> they're the sort of law firms that like the royal family would get involved with and a very big big customers like that so the, to go the big the, global firms yeah so big, mm, um very impressive so what happened just i, I think it's worth uh pursuing uh, the you know the process for that because I think a lot of people would assume that you'd probably have had to have gone and done, I don't know, a maths degree and a this degree and a that degree. But you, you literally started at, you know, at Barclays and then got an experience in another job, and then suddenly you're at the top, <laughs> Canary Wharf, Magic Circle. Um, is it still like that today? Is that something that I could go and get a degree? Uh, sorry, I could go and get a job and do that, or would I have to go and get a degree now if I wanted to end up in a Magic Circle kind it of role? It's kind of interesting because um, I worked for. For Magic Circle Law Firm, now I work for a big four accounting firm. And if you try to break into any of those sort of areas, um, they tend to want you to have a degree. And I think I kind of flew in under the radar a bit. Um, I think it's because I'd already established my career. I'd already built that experience. So I, I owe a lot to Safaris for giving me that opportunity. So by the time I actually went to work for this law firm, I'd been working in tax for 10 years by that point. And I'd really got an opportunity to hone my skills. By that point, I'd got my qualification. And 
again, uh, there should have been some little signs there that I, I, I could be autistic because one of the things um, working in, so I should probably backtrack a little here and explain that being a chartered tax advisor, people think is about numbers and about maths. It's actually more about law. And so that sort of harks back to that long lost dream of being a lawyer. Um, so it actually, one of the things is that you need to be able to learn and interpret technical um, legal arguments and um, lots of legislation and um, information and, and different things. So it gives you the opportunity to do lots of technical research, which I absolutely love. And also Sounds excellent, it's yeah. rules and logic, which is just an autism dream. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of a mixture of tax law, a bit of data analytics and some Excel, which again, happy days. Very fun, um, yep. And attention to detail. And the combination of those three things, I think just naturally, without realising I was autistic, just absolutely perfectly fits my special interests, my skill sets. And um, because of that sort of... Um, sort of laser targeted thing about where you want to learn everything I really pitched in I wanted to be the best I could and I kind of keyed into this very niche area without realizing it and that's how I ended up working for um, a magic circle law firm um, and then from there developed extra skills and experience because that gave me the opportunity to, to see how an in, um, international business worked from the inside and again, more of that sort of rules, logic, technical research. Um, and yeah, and, and that basically has driven me for the last 15 years, really doing that in-house work for large multinational partnerships, professional practices. Sounds like seriously impressive. It's very, very cool. But uh, I, I think, I, I guess, like tying up to the uh, to people who who are looking to start as well. I, th I think it is worth acknowledging, and I think I think you'll agree. But you know, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, when companies are quite big, they do tend to they just they don't really worry about the smaller details. They just want the right people, don't yes. they? So, so yes, they might say on paper they want a degree. But actually, if, if you're you and you've got all this decade of experience and you're seriously good at what you do, they are going to just invite you in. It's going to be that kind of thing. And I've got a similar situation in my industry that I work in, which is cybersecurity. I, I wasn't qualified to do the job I did. I don't think I would qualify for your interview to get the job I've had for the past eight years. And I do think people like the way I've done it and are open to working with me on things. And I get the odd kind of message. Would you like to work, come and work for us? And I, I don't, cause I like where <laughs> I am, but it's interesting to me that if I had gone and applied for those jobs, I wouldn't have had the confidence because they'd all be saying, you need this certificate, that certificate. And it's interesting to know that I, even though I don't, they're still up for chatting to me and they, they know you're good for it. So I guess, yeah, what, where, where you are now, you've got these companies that will get in touch if they need someone and they know you're good. Do you get like people referring you to them? Is there some sort of, you know, they remember they've worked with you in the past or is it just that they, they might search for someone who looks like they've got the good qualifications and maybe get in touch and say, would you like to move? You I know? think over time, your name comes up in conversation. So I said, I, I went from the law firm to a big four accounting firm, again, in-house. Um, when you think about it, it's quite terrifying that I was doing the tax returns for these big 
businesses and I'm like wow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but I think your name gets out there. It sounds very grandiose. I'm really sorry. I don't intend it to. It's just I'm I'm no, amazed at myself I, I that I've even got no. this far. Um, this is part of the point. We, we want, want to celebrate it. You know, good on you, well done, and everything. And I want people to be able to listen and go, yeah, car, no, Natalie's not messing around. You know, and and it just it's it's important because there's a lot of misconception that we we can't deliver at work we can't survive at work and i know we're going to get onto more bits later in the in the episode but uh yeah to hear that you have gone you've, you've gone toe-to-toe with a magic circle with a big four and and you're still going it's it's brilliant it's uh it's yeah it's really really important that people hear this sort of and thing and i think like you said there's this assumption that to break into certainly law and accounting that you need a degree but actually they will overlook they will kind of if you've got the right skills and experience, then that that goes a long way as well. And I think a lot of it now is looking at um, recruiting people from all backgrounds. I think a lot of firms are now recognising that not just with neurodiversity, that there's just general diversity of, of um, backgrounds, of life experiences and things like that. So I don't have a degree. I I come from Peterborough, which isn't exactly well known for its high flyers. I, I'm sorry to say Peterborians um but <laughs> sorry I'm not from here either it's all good <laughs> but it's but it's kind of like it, it a lot of it is these opportunities that came up along the way but also I think a lot of it is just sort of having that skill set and being driven to learn as much as you can and and accidentally becoming an expert in an area um purely driven by what I now know are, are my autistic traits. Yeah, no, I think again, uh, it's it's interesting when we when I'm talking to the people that I've been speaking to about their jobs. It's quite common that people just get really into a certain part and they're not interested in other bits so much. They just keep more of the same, you know. And, and again, I, I have that at work in that I got really into the public sector tenders and that kind of thing, and just seem to be learning more and more about frameworks and tenders and you know digging and digging and digging and then suddenly everyone's like oh yeah he's the public sector guy we, we, he's our expert in that and I'm like am I um, I didn't set out to be that <laughs> doesn't everybody know this but yeah you do find yourself at some some point you look back and you've gone down a pathway and you're looking behind you thinking I don't even remember walking that pathway yeah. um well it's these hyper focus yeah. these rabbit holes that we get into I think they kind of drive us into areas so without knowing we end up becoming a subject matter expert on something really niche that we didn't really intend to I'm sorry this sounds really like I'm um, generalizing but I think that is something that um mm. there, there are all these stats aren't there about um autistic people being underemployed but actually I think there are there are some skills there that that are really valuable and yeah and I I know plenty of people that I've seen in industry who are the resident expert in a specific niche thing and I mean when I was asking about you know uh, well I, I sort of asked, I, I sent a message around at work about um, being autistic and looking to people for the, the podcast and a few people sort of immediately were like oh I am as well and it's like yeah I kind of I didn't want to say, oh, I kind of knew, <laughs> but it was like, no, it makes sense. It checks out. You're you're extremely intelligent in a specific niche area that you've you've got into. You're very passionate about it. You've become an expert in it. That's not the only reason I'm saying that they that it made sense. I've obviously met them and, and, and interacted with them, but it was just interesting to be like, okay, no, you've really gone far on a specific thing. And you do, I, I mean, maybe it's just me. I do look at people's jobs sometimes and think, 
how did they end up there? And <laughs> yeah. I guess that's why I'm doing this because it's it's interesting to me to see the paths that people take. Um, have you have you found along the way? So you didn't know that you were autistic until quite recently. Have you found looking back that you had any barriers that you had to get past that you didn't realise were um, autism at the time? Um, I can give you sort of examples if you want to think for a moment. Or um, I think. Um, possibly what what drove me to actually getting the diagnosis I think I kind of always knew that there was something a bit different um, and that I probably struggled a little bit on the communication side and the social side and things like that again a bit sort of stereotyping but um, I I did find like I said I maneuvered myself away from the client facing role without realizing that the reason that I struggled with it was because it was a lot of sort of communicating with different people and um, sort of going to like events and things like that where you had to um, sort of budget breakfasts and mixing and talking to clients and I, I sort of struggled with that kind of thing um, but um, also Sadly, one of the, the, the things that, that can be a struggle is some of the office politics and the cliques and oh God, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's <laughs> basically what led me to getting my autism diagnosis was I, um, I did struggle a bit in the workplace and I had a referral through occupational health and it was suggested that perhaps I might like to look at a neurodiversity assessment because it was all the the buzzy thing a couple of years ago and um, I must admit I did it to humour the HR team and was massively (laughs) surprised but kind of I think it's when they kind of say we think you're autistic and you're like but I and again, you're doing this podcast really great because you kind of get this media-driven stereotype of what autism is. And it's like, well, I'm not that. And then you look at what autism yeah, really yeah. is and you're like, oh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% that. Yeah, I am that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly, again, my experience is the same. I've had that with both autism and ADHD where people have told me and I've gone, no, and then immediately understood what it actually was. I've gone, yes. And, um <laughs> I think going back to what you said about the politics uh, and, and, and office kind of life, I I didn't realise, I mean, I guess this is a masking thing looking back, but the amount of times that people would decide, oh, I don't like so-and-so and I don't like them and this is annoying. And then they would make the situation so like toxic and political and whatever it was. And I almost found myself going into that because I was so used to just, you know them repeating it every day. Like, yeah, do you know what? I am annoyed at that person or this aspect. I mean, is that the kind of thing you've had as well, where it's just people are getting involved in things and you're just feeling like you're involved where you don't even care or need to be? There's you know? a bit of that. Yeah, you kind of do sometimes get dragged in. I think there's a, you, it's kind of masking, I guess, where you want to fit in, you want to be part of it. and But you know, it's, it's awful and you shouldn't get involved. But it leads mm. to these environments that are really not pleasant for anyone to work in. And some of it's so petty and so silly that actually, if you just took a step back, you'd think, well, why does it, why does something matter? Why does what somebody wears or why does what time they arrive at their desk or how long they've had a lunch break? Yeah, or things matter? I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't notice any of that because I was too busy looking at my work yeah. or whatever. And 
people would be telling me i was i don't know i'd say well so and so said this and they'd go yeah they're only saying that because of this this and this and i'd be sat there thinking how do you know that how did i well i haven't read that from it why why have you got this extra layer of information and i look back at that and think yeah. does everybody get that were they is that still something that they were just picking up because they felt they were picking it up because i never picked any of that up and obviously looking back i know why now but at the time i just couldn't understand why people knew what other people were saying beyond what they were saying and it just seemed really odd to me so i'd be like oh i'll take your word for it then you've you've just told me they meant this oh i didn't know that i feel tricked now you know um looking back it was just like you say cliques and silliness and i'm glad that i wasn't particularly involved but it's like there's definitely times when i've been in agreement with things someone has said because i've had to sit there and listen to several people's interpretation that i didn't pick up on because yeah i just didn't have that ability to do it but i think it's a double-edged it's a... sword as well because i think again stereotyping but i know me I, I can be a bit naive and i can be very trusting and because i'm quite honest and like i i take things at face value i just assume everybody i just went through life thinking everybody's Means brains what they say. work like yeah. this so i didn't think mm. anything else and then um yep. actually my my other half he, he'd be like you do know that they're actually meaning and i'd be like no but they said this thing <laughs> like, yeah that's not what that means though and and then yeah but then i'm sort of replaying things and thinking also, when I say something or other, if I put a smiley face in an email, they think I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. I genuinely am, like, being honest. Oh, that's worrying. That's horrific because I, <laughs> <laughs> I I do that sometimes. I don't, I don't tend to put too many in, but I do put the odd one in when I'm like, uh, hopefully they'll understand or whatever. And, oh, God. <laughs> but this is the thing. We don't have this rule book. It feels like everybody... And, and particularly in an office, it feels like everybody's got this secret code that they they work by. And I'm kind of really naively just blundering through it without knowing what these what these codes and what these rules mean and accidentally kind of tripping up and um, misinterpreting things. And I think somebody's being nice, but actually they're not. And so, yeah, it's it's quite um, quite a minefield. But thankfully i think things are starting to change and i think i feel i don't know whether it's partly since being diagnosed or i actually changed jobs um last year um i i don't know whether that's helped because the employer that i work for now is so different to my previous employer from a sort of very corporate accounting type background um it's sort of made me realize actually I think that there are more firms out there that are starting to embrace the sort of accepting some of the values that we have in terms of sort of being honest and sort of taking things at, at face value and things like that, um, which I think will will over time help and help get rid of some of this yeah. culture that's perhaps not been so helpful to autistic people historically. Or not helpful to anyone, but particularly not to autistic No, people. but yeah, we've, we've probably been the canaries that have noticed it earlier, for example. Um, I feel like you're right, though. I mean, companies also are starting to understand more about neurodivergent people and the, you know how, how they are are there and they need to be accommodated for things. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting that they're open to listening to us pointing things out or... I used to be quite, I'd have, not realizing it was me being direct, I used to have quite a good relationship with the managing director because 
I would just go and ask them direct questions. And so I would often be like, this, this is an issue that needs sorting out and blah, blah, blah. And then it would all be sorted out. But I realized after a while that that was even itself dangerous because you'd always be like the one that's going, go and sort this thing out over here. And, you know, but, but also, um, it used to, it helped. Not seeing hierarchy. I didn't, all these things are now, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was an autistic yep. thing. It's like, I, I'm no. the same. I'd be, mm-hmm. I wouldn't think twice of going to a, um, a senior partner or something and, and other people like you can't just go and speak to that person like, but, but I need to they need to know this thing and it was kind of like <laughs> yeah yeah why are you worrying about this you're <laughs> right I mean I guess it's funny because they all see that as a, a kind of act of confidence and act of you know you're you're uh you're able you're, you're at that level you know you feel you're at that level yeah you're okay to talk to them but actually it's not there isn't a level no. um I had a I had to have a, so the company I work for got purchased by a, 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 a broader group and uh, we got to kind of sit down and have like a lunch call with the new CEO. And I feel like this was half embarrassing, but I needed to do it. But I actually, during the conversation, just said, how often will you and I interact between like, after this meal? And he was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, am I supposed to talk to you at all? Or are you just at a level that I, this is but after this point, I knew I was autistic. I was like, am I supposed to approach you with anything or is it kind of one of those things now where you will just go off into your world and we may interact at some point or another, but for most of the time I'm just focusing on my, and he was like, we will not interact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And everyone else in the call thought it was really awkward, but I was just like, no, I know exactly where I stand. I don't have to bother you. You don't have to bother me. If you're talking to me, I know it's a problem and not a hello. Um, Yeah. I, I felt like I needed to be direct. It was good, but I guess again, you know, now you know do you still talk to those people I don't think that would I don't think I can switch that bit off in my brain and Mm. I went through a stage I think where I got a little bit anxious because things were being pointed out that oh that's crossing a line or that um I got got told um sorry to use a trigger word but I got told I'd committed career suicide by making a comment to a senior HR partner it's like oh god yeah they need it, it was in an open forum and they said raise anything um and it it was I thought something very naive and simple I I didn't even think it was um, anything to worry about and they said how can we attract more people into the in-house function and I said we need to stop making it look like a back office role we need to show that it is a key critical part of the business now I don't think there's anything wrong with me saying that. Yeah, it doesn't sound <laughs> sounds very straightforward but and honest. Apparently, and I shouldn't so... have said that to the person I said it to, the senior person. That's not what they wanted. This didn't come from them. This came from a, one of my managers, and they were like, "Well, no, no, you couldn't, you shouldn't have said that to that person." I was like, but they they asked in an open forum. Why wouldn't mm. I say that? Apparently, I should have pandered it with some niceties and some vague oh, language. God, I've and... had that. Yeah, mm. <laughs> awkward. But no, um, did I mean? I, I don't want to go into it if it's a bad story, but did it uh, did it work out? Did they do anything or did nothing? You know, no one say anything after that. I think they did take the comments on board. Unfortunately, then the the pandemic hit and everything kind of <laughs> went a bit crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I got, oh, yeah, I got away <laughs> with it then. But um, but no, it's it's interesting because I, I I think the person I thought was quite grateful that somebody had. I don't think they'd ever been told things directly before, and I think mm, they did appreciate no, it been plenty of times where i've said something not rude or not you know it's not and people around have been a little bit like and yet the person i've said it to has gone i would i've not i've not heard that so far you know that's given me a lot to think about and 
yeah, it's I definitely get wh- where you're coming from with that. And when there's P's and Q's to be minded, it's obviously going to make a lot of people panic. But <laughs> I'm relieved to hear you did get away with it, as we say, and it hasn't come back to bite you. But it would have been a shame if it did, because yeah. you're probably right. But I don't know the circumstances, but I would imagine that you're correct and you've assessed it well. Um it's funny, isn't it? Just how, how people go through life not telling the truth, even though it would improve things. Um, yeah. This is a thing. So, yeah, it's very odd. Um, so where you are now, uh, is it the same sort of role still? You said you've left uh, the uh, Big Four account and yep. you obviously have to tell us where you work because that would be a bit too much information. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, what's it like there? Is it You said it was comfortable, a bit quiet, a bit more accommodating of you. Well, it's interesting because... The firm, I, I took a bit of a chance um, going to like into the unknown, if you like. It's it's a large um, consulting firm with with big ambitions and it's growing rapidly. And, and it was a role that was going to give me the opportunity to kind of make make something my own. I am the only person doing tax there. Um, so it's part of a wider finance team. I've got an opportunity to kind of build my tax role um how i want it and i've I've kind of never had that before so it was a bit of a scary thing but actually Mm. um with that i'm I'm happy to to name the firm so it's it's um a it's a management consulting firm so it's very fast paced um it's global there's a lot going on these people everybody that works there is an expert in their field i have never worked anywhere with such incredible like everybody I meet I'm like oh my goodness these people are just amazing they just are absolutely experts at what they do it's it's amazing that and 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 um they, they are real subject matter experts it's like an autistic person's dream working there <laughs> and in fact um so they 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 are very um they've got a very accommodating culture without it being a big thing so um and i think we we will probably go into accommodations and things but yeah i, I was going to come on to that but you so you're saying they're they're sort of naturally they accommodating just naturally and, are and, um, um, when i had my first interview they gave an overview of what sort of things were going to be asked when i had to go to the office they gave a map with detailed instructions saying well so if, if anyone didn't need it they could ignore it but for me i was like oh my gosh i get so anxious when i have to travel anywhere um so just to have not even have to ask for it they just gave a map said this is what happened this is the plan of your first day so you'll go to this place you'll meet this person you'll be in inductions this is kind of the order of things you knew when you were going to get your lunch so I didn't have to worry about that Um, and you had the opportunity to have a call beforehand just to go through anything that you're unsure of Um, and then since I've been there a lot of the things they do um, are what I like to cool i think i think they're they're generally um, known as global adaptations so they they accommodate everybody so they're very simple things that i don't have to ask for and make myself out to be special or a pest um so it's things like they they have quiet spaces there's flexibility in the work day as long as you get your work done it's like you deliver it how you need to deliver it um there's a budget to buy equipment. They don't dictate what headset you have, what keyboard you use. You're given a laptop, you're given a budget, you buy what works best for you. Um, they have a, a well-being budget, which is amazing. 
you get get a budget to do things that make you happy because that will make you better at work. Um, so a friend and I... That sounds very, very It was amazing. We did a latte art course yeah. at um, a coffee place in Cambridge. Um, it So th- these things that without... They're not autistic things. They're not neurodivergent things. They're not disability needs things. These are things that are available to everybody, every employee, purely designed to make you healthier happier and great at your job and they recognize that it is a fast-paced environment it can be a stressful environment and funnily enough I met up with one of my colleagues that I worked with at the law firm um, recently and and she we were talking about she's like oh what's what's your role like now and all the rest of it she goes do you know what your job sounds more stressful than it was before which was a very stressful role that I had she said but you don't sound stressed and I was explained to her that it's because of the environment that I'm in now and it makes such a difference. And I have not had to ask for a single adaptation. And they are available if I want them, but I like the fact that people who really need the thing, extra things can ask for them. But the, the basics that are just there for everyone are enough to not make you feel othered or... Yeah, something else. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I get that because I think flipping that on, on the other way around, uh, we have had the little rules come out at work where everyone needs to have their cameras mm-hmm. on and then I don't. And it's like, yeah, I don't have to. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, I said no when they said that and now I don't have to because I explained why. And, and it makes me feel like the odd one out because it's like, well, you've all got yours on and I'm I, now we're in meetings and I'm almost the reason I don't have it on is because I didn't want to have to be self-conscious about being on the screen or whatever and just I get distracted worrying about things in the background or what I'm looking like what I'm wearing whatever it is and because everybody else has to do a certain thing I'm now more standing out <laughs> by not having it on and that makes me even more anxious I can't win now it's difficult kind of it on or it's off difficult. and uh, I think your your company's mindset of just do what you need to do because it doesn't make a difference if I'm in a meeting and I see someone or don't see someone. It doesn't make a difference at all. I don't get why no. that's necessary. But um, some of the other things you say about you know getting the work done when you get the work done, uh, that feels like a very modern sort of past few years type of thing. But I'm in a similar thing again at work. And that was such a big difference maker because I, I learned a stat that the average person tends to work three or four hours a day productively mm-hmm. if that. And uh, I'd always tried to do a solid eight plus uh, thinking that that was what everybody else was doing and uh, learning that, again, that's just autistic people being very literal that you're in for eight hours, you need to work. That Yeah. Um, So being able to know that I can just get the work done as to the outcomes that matter, that's been a big difference. So it's cool to hear that obviously you're in an environment like that as well. Uh, have uh, Have you got any kind of things that you find have been challenging in your role that you've had to figure out ways around or uh, you know has there been any bits where autism has kind of held you back a bit other than sort of client facing bits which you covered already um, do you think there's any bits where it's uh you've had to try and figure it out or you've not been able to do something that maybe you could have gone further if you i say further you're pretty much at the top haven't you but well, think, <laughs> um so looking again back at my, my previous role, I've, I've, I've been very lucky throughout my whole career. I've kind of naturally found a pathway through that that's suited me and met people along the way who have helped me with, with my career and 
um, I just I consider myself very very fortunate that that I've had this this path. Um, there have been challenges along the way, um, and I think a lot of those challenges, as I mentioned before, are, are sort of misreading social cues or misunderstanding the rules, and particularly things like around performance reviews and promotion time of year, where it's quite difficult to promote yourself because you're just going in mm. and doing the job. And, and like that you were saying about, um, I mean, I, I will work from when I switch on my computer to when I kind of realize that actually it's getting dark outside. Um, and one of the things that I, I struggle with, which is again, uh, another autistic thing, um, is poor inter interoception, where I don't really understand the signals my body's telling me. I don't know if I'm hungry, thirsty, yeah, no, same. all I don't the rest get that of it. Either. So mm. I, again, with certainly things like doing data analytics and um, lots of technical research, I can be sat at my computer for three or four hours without moving yep. and then start to get a bit grouchy and realise it's because I... I've not had a drink or I've had nothing to eat or whatever. So I think sometimes I've perhaps had people think that I'm not approachable if they don't really know me because they I can get my head right into something and just get lost in it. Um, so an Excel spreadsheet, I could you, you'd have to literally tear me away from it once I'm in it um, or, or a piece of really knotty tax law. Um, it's quite difficult, I think, for people on the outside to understand what what um, sort of what's going on with me, if you like. It's kind of felt that, oh, yeah, that, that person, she, she just likes to to sit and do all of her, her yeah, research. Yeah, kind of to one side focus, um, yeah. They might have been in and out four times and you've not really moved yeah. away from what you were looking at. You're not into, you know, I noticed a few times that the office would be talking and they'd be dipping in and out of each other's conversations. Yeah. And I, sometimes I can do that if I'm not super busy, but if I'm super busy and I'm not, everyone, as you say, thinks you're, you're off with them or if you're just in the middle of something and they're trying to distract you with things and you're like, no, <laughs> you know. Um, so I definitely get it. People's perceptions of, they expect you to act a certain way, but you're you're just doing your way. You know. And that's it. And I think as well, and and without getting too into gender politics, I think as well being female that is quite difficult because mm. um, it's not necessarily seen as a female thing. Um, and I I've, I've had um, part of my careers where where I've had teams of people where I've trained and I've managed teams and. I, all the feedback I've always had is that I'm I'm a great manager. I I give my 100%, and if somebody needs to talk to me, then I'm I'm 100% there for them. And again, it's that I I give a lot of myself, and I think that's to the detriment of me, where I can end up still wanting to do the eight hours of challenging technical work, but yeah. also do the however mm. many hours of sort of pastoral care for my team and make sure that they've got everything they need and sort of being there to help them out. It almost feels like it's, yeah, it feels like that's not work because you're caring yes. for a colleague or being chatting or, or talking to them or listening to them. And I definitely get that vibe at work where it's like, okay, this bit doesn't, this meeting wasn't really work. You know, this wasn't really exactly. this. And I can say, oh, I did nothing today. And someone's like, you had six hours of meetings. And I'm like, well, exactly. you know, but doesn't really count so yeah no I, I can imagine definitely and 
um i'm sure like you say i mean a lot of the um the autistic experience for for women is obviously very different from how you know i i i feel like i went through life missing it but there was lots of obvious signs but a lot of uh a lot of you know autistic females have have been missed It's, it's almost like they should have been picked up a lot easier a lot quicker a lot better um do you feel like that was i mean again it's not something i really want to jump too far into but do you feel like that's played into it at all with you that that you were late diagnosed because they maybe weren't as aware or yeah um... I think it's again you mentioned masking earlier and I think the female sort of autistic presentation is hidden behind masking they say that females or people assigned female at birth are are, are more effective They, they mask they kind of blend in or some of the special interests are kind of things that are expected so it's not um like your stereotypical um trains and lego do you know what i mean it's like although mm, i do yeah, i'm no, I really into lego i have to say um but it's, it's things like um you you kind of adapt and watch and um so I, I can only talk from my own experience you're kind of watching what other people are doing and kind of trying to mimic that in order to fit in which kind of hides a lot of that autistic traits and things like that but also can lead to a lot of anxiety and um i think i i don't think i'm out of turn saying that a lot of late diagnosed females have previously had diagnosis of things like generalized anxiety disorder ocd um things that actually are more the result of masking yeah the side effects yeah. of yeah I, I understand and uh you're right it's uh it's extremely common. I know a lot of uh, um, autistic females who, who have said that, you know, um, and they are, yeah, exactly the same thing. They've, they've had the, the anxiety and then the, the later diagnosis where someone's looked at them a bit more closely and gone, oh, okay, you know, and um, I think that's going to be another theme that comes up quite often through this. Um, it's, it's just the diagnosis process i think it is getting better in general although we are going through a bit of a phase of everything being um very limited they're shutting down a lot of services uh to to focus on the demand that's there but um equally it's yeah it's got a long way to go still especially to to help a lot of people who haven't been picked up um so i just want to check uh back on 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 your your current job and everything um has there been any other any other bits you think that they could do better if you were you know, well not necessarily them but any <laughs> any any office um, I realise I suddenly put you on the spot they're like you know criticise your employer um no but I guess I, I was going to say would you advise employee employers to do anything differently and then actually where you work sounds like it's doing yeah they're almost leading the way yeah. and I guess what would you say to other employers um, they should be doing to I think it's one of those things that you don't, or for me anyway, you didn't know you needed until you you had it. So if if I was told to make a list, so in the past been told to make a list of the what what you need and like what um what workplace adaptations you need, and you're kind of like I have no idea. Um, Yeah, no, I didn't. Whereas, I think from being in a workplace that is so progressive and just has they have different ways of working and and they're flexible to they're not they're not specifically for 
people that have um, autism or ADHD or a disability of some kind or um, any special like working mothers who might need flexibility, things like that, or working parents, sorry, who, have, who, have, who need flexibility. These are just things they offer to everybody. And I think this is one thing that more employers need to get on board with. It's that just making some simple changes, not specific things because they, they want to um, sort of help neurodivergent or autistic um, colleagues, but these things help everybody. So flexible working, having regular breaks during your working day, um, agendas in meetings. Why don't people do this thing? Agendas in meetings and follow up notes. I don't know why this isn't more of a thing. Um, and also, I think more specifically for from an autistic point of view and something we touched on earlier is don't make assumptions by what our outward appearance is, because what's mm. going on underneath might not necessarily um, there's kind of a, a, a non PC term, sort of a, a certain resting face that people have. And I think I have that that might put people off. But if you actually talk to me, I'm, I'm probably just deeply in thought about something and not being angry. <laughs> I'm very entertained by that because um, obviously you won't have heard it because it hasn't been out yet and uh, I've recorded these in batches but literally the episode that's coming out uh, basically before yours um, the, the lady who said the exact same thing she didn't mute the word she just said the <laughs> word <laughs> but um, <laughs> she said that people say she's got that and I've always been told that and f about me and I always felt like it was one of those things where I just can't imagine walking around with a with just a, a permanent smile on my face it seems really difficult to do and I just I, I don't think about what my face is doing it's just a face it's just there and um and it always whenever I notice my reflection and I see I'm pulling a face oh not pulling a face even I'm, I'm relaxing <laughs> I've got my resting bee face but um it bothers me knowing that people might think I'm mean and I'm like no I, I mean I you can't tell what's going on, on the inside I was I was going to mention about uh, how how work are with so your your type of uh, career if you were to imagine if you were to draw someone in in that job you'd put them in a you know nice suit and fancy clothes and you'd have expensive looking you know watches or whatever jewelry and just shoes and so forth are the, uh, uh, that would sound like hell to me <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't I can't wear all that I used to get away with no tie and um, some loose trousers and everything and now I work from home I'm just in jeans or, or shorts and a t-shirt all the time um, I did make a bit of a I had to put a camera on earlier I'm tangenting slightly but I had to put a camera on earlier in a meeting and as it was coming on I realized I'm sat here in a Pokemon t-shirt and I immediately moved the <laughs> webcam in a funny option in a funny direction but then I thought the whole meeting that person now thinks I don't know how to use a webcam I look like a moron <laughs> and it would have probably been so much easier to just talk to them in my Pokemon top but I just thought I've never met them before I don't want them thinking I'm immature or whatever you know it might have sparked a conversation they might have said oh, I'm a big fan but in that instant, as I saw my reflection in the in the in the camera, I just freaked out and moved it. And I just think all those things you, you've got to keep a perception. Of what my, going back to my question was, has that been an issue for you in this sort of environment? Because I feel like I would fail to fit into that environment completely, um, just by the fact I don't dress that well, it's way. It's interesting again because this whole sensory issue thing. I, I do struggle a lot with with sensory uh, things, but I also do like nice clothes. But um, so. 
again, thanks to lockdown, I have a wardrobe full of very nice clothes that I can no longer fit in and had a very similar mm. experience to you, Richard, in that I completely didn't think about it, went on a webcam call with one of my colleagues and it was only when he said, oh, a nice Sonic the Hedgehog top. I was like, oh. <laughs> I've done it with my Sonic top as well. I've got a Sonic T-shirt that I just, I'm like, oh, no. Uh, yeah, Sonic and Pikachu are the two that keep appearing. And, oh, good God. Um, no, that's brilliant then. I'm glad it's not just me. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to hear you're another Sonic fan. But, um, okay, is there any advice? Well, well, before we wrap up, is there any advice you would give to other autistics looking to uh, get into a career like yours? I think. From my perspective, embrace your special interests because you just don't know where they're going to lead you. And it it seems to be that this ability to turn a, a special interest or a hyper focus or something that you're really fascinated in can can be something that you can build a, a career out of. In, in obviously within reason, if if your special interest is really niche, there might not necessarily be a role out there. But I think just generally. Um, Think, think about what you enjoy and think about what careers might be out there that you probably wouldn't be told about by a careers advisor. I'm fairly certain that there's nobody out there in school being told to go and work in tax and be a chartered tax advisor. But No, my daughter's just recently done it and it was all about being a carer and other jobs that uh, they need at the moment and there's a high demand for, but it wasn't... I was quite surprised how low... Uh, low detail it was it was just go and work in this go work in that it was like shops and, and caring and it's like but if that's your passion okay. and it's working in an area sure. and and um yeah i i and this is the thing Not like, so, yeah I mean, i've worked in both yeah. i just um what i more mean is that it wasn't tailored no, to any of her yeah. you know she's 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 going into art she gets you know grades in certain areas that she's really favorable towards but they gave the whole group the advice of going to care going to this and she come home and going that careers day was pretty useless really because it was jobs she knew existed already there, there wasn't any if you're really into excel and legal uh you know wrangling and so forth going to tax because actually it's not just numbers you know that's really critical because i think I, when you were saying it, i think i swear i accidentally just said go get a maths degree <laughs> and i've just immediately fallen into the trap but um I think a lot of children would think that they would think it would be all about crunching numbers rather than having like a bit of a brain teaser of trying to get around something or under or prove a point that you're trying to make with something and interpret it the right way and that kind of thing. It is a bit of a puzzle, isn't it? And, and I think as well, um, like uh, you're saying, your your um, area of, of cyber and things like that. It's maybe have a look at um, some. A lot of big firms are doing um, apprenticeship schemes now where you can have a try. You don't have to go into a career for the next like don't have to leave school and do that for 50 years unless you really love it but go and try something I think don't be afraid don't feel like other people are making your decisions for you or trying to put you into a mold that you don't fit think about what it is that you get pleasure from and what you enjoy and what of those things you could potentially make a career from that sounds great. I think you're right as well that if you are quite varied and you do what you think makes sense to you at the time, you do you still pick up skills along the way. I mean, I've trained to be a nurse, I've trained to be a teacher, um, I've trained to be an underwriter. <laughs> I now work in cybersecurity, uh, and all of those jobs have given me skills along the way that have got me different things. And you know, teaching got me confident at talking to people about things like this. And you know, 
it's all adaptable skills. So I think you're right. Having a go, if you're interested in it and it's an opportunity, go and have a crack at it. Exactly. And you work for a long time. So don't be afraid to try something different. And if it doesn't work out, try something else. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight. It's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you. Um, There's loads of good, useful stuff there. Um, Is there anything else you feel you want to promote or talk about any projects you're working on, anything like that that you've got going on that you want to give a shout out to? Um, Not really a project that I'm working on, but I think just generally because it's um, Autism Awareness Month, just been Autism Awareness Week, which is a bit weird that you've got a week and then a month but anyway um yeah i find that confusing <laughs> but the, I, yeah. I just finished reading untypical by pete warmby and i would highly recommend that to anybody that wants to understand the autistic experience and actually he went to school in spalding so there's a bit of a peterborough area connection did he really so, i follow we, we follow each other on twitter and i've been trying i haven't actually bucked up the courage to invite him on but now you've just plugged his book i'm just <laughs> gonna send him a message and be like pete come on an episode so if, if pete comes on one of the later episodes in this series you'll know you'll know it worked you'll know that natalie gave me an in there <laughs> but uh pete no pete is good i follow him on twitter he's uh at what is that comma aficionado yeah and um he, he he's a good person he, he he does a lot of work for um autism autism awareness autism acceptance I, I do not know why we have a week and then a month um i know that the group i'm in called is autism acceptance month but i think it's both and everything and it's a whole five week thing but i guess we just like having lots of weeks and months who knows it's, it's very confusing but anyway on that anyway note. yeah no <laughs> on that note thank you very much thank you for reining me in there because i think i'd be here for another hour and we don't have time for that but thank you very much uh, i really appreciate your time as i say and to the listener as well thank you very much for listening um if you obviously want to catch up have you got anywhere that people could find you online natalie or would, i mean do you want people to follow you on twitter or anything like that um yeah, I can't even remember my Twitter handle off the top of my head, but nope, I'm, I'm, I think you can find me on boring places like LinkedIn. So just look for Natalie Doncaster and I'm sure you'll find me there. And if, if you cool. drop me a message, then I'm sure I can um, in, indulge you in my other um, Twitter and Instagram handles <laughs> as well. No, that's cool. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RB6K. Uh, I am also on LinkedIn. I should have said that before, really. Um, I'm on there, obviously, just as Richard Bass. Um, and I will be adding Natalie after this, if she, if you don't mind. <laughs> but yeah, uh, okay. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, next one will be out. Uh, so this will probably be out on Saturday. So the next one will be out on Wednesday. Um, same rules always apply. If it, if it is Wednesday that this has come out, the next one on Saturday. Um, I'm just rolling them like that. Uh, but yeah, the next one will be out shortly. And thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you.